0: Good morning, this is Alan Carroll at Carroll Pharmacy in Smithfield, and we are proud to bring you Hope for Today, a program we hope might help you, inspire you, or encourage you and give you hope for today.
1: My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. In Matthew 16 15, Jesus asked his disciples this most important question I want to ask you today. Who do you say that Jesus is? In Randy Alcorn's book, 90 Minutes of God's Goodness, he says, If we get it right about Jesus, we can afford to get some minor things wrong. But if we get it wrong about Jesus, it won't matter in the end what else we get right. When it comes to goodness and evil, present suffering and eternal joy, the first word and the last is Jesus. Let me ask you what road you are traveling. Are you on the road to heaven or are you on the road to hell? Now, some of you may believe you are going through hell, and certainly there are lots of people suffering with many kinds of diseases or suffering with children or spouses who are in bondage to alcohol or drugs or any number of serious problems. I read not long ago that the pain and suffering a Christian experiences in this world are the only hell they will ever know. And on the flip side of that, for the non-Christian, the good times and happiness in this world are the only happy times they will ever have. Because there is no joy in dying and going to hell. Have you decided whose side you are on? Did you go to a church service on Easter that had perhaps the largest crowd you had seen all year? Why do you think so many people go to church on Easter? Why do they choose to go on Easter Sunday? Feelings of guilt because they hadn't gone all year? Pressure from their family? Perhaps to show off new clothes? Maybe to hear beautiful music? To hear an inspirational sermon? To see a friend or relative get baptized? There are various reasons for the large crowds of people who come out of the woodwork, as it seems, to attend church on Easter, and certainly there is no better time to come together to worship than when we celebrate our hope for all eternity, which is Jesus Christ who was resurrected from the dead. We have a risen Savior. We don't follow a preacher or a teacher. We follow a living Savior. For Christians, every day is Easter. Jim Cimbala from the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in Brooklyn, New York, preached a sermon earlier this year on the two-minute gospel. He said sometimes you may be in a situation when you only have a couple of minutes to share the gospel when someone is dying and you are allowed in their room, or to see them for less than five minutes, perhaps. I am going to give you the gist of what he had to say. Jesus Christ came into the world and claimed to be the Son of God. He told many people on several occasions that after he died, he would rise from the dead on the third day. And that is exactly what happened. There were over 500 eyewitnesses who saw Jesus after his resurrection. When Mohammed died, he stayed dead. When Buddha died, he stayed dead. But when Jesus Christ died, he did not stay dead. He rose from the grave. Jesus died for our sins, and God accepted his sacrifice. When Christ was resurrected from the dead, he proved that something is stronger than death, and that something is God's power which is greater than death. Our sins and our guilt make us fear God, so death is our great enemy. But once we acknowledge Jesus Christ and accept him as our living Savior, we are free from the fear of death. Because since Christ conquered the grave and rose from the dead, we know that we can conquer death because of God's power and Christ's sacrifice for our sins. Have you heard the gospel song out right now? I'm not sure of the title, but some of the words are, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Now, not many people want to die because I suppose many feel they will be punished by God because of their sins, and some folks may be scared of the unknown but Christians do not or should not fear death like those who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ to save them from their sins, because those of us who have placed our hope in Christ will not be disappointed. Remember, our hope's not in this world. Many people saw Jesus ascend into heaven 40 days after his resurrection, and he is still there, and we can hope to join him when we die. He said that one day he's coming back to take us home to be with him, home to heaven, A place of perfect peace. Paradise, he called it one time. I don't know about you, but I look forward to a place of perfect peace that will be so different than the world we live in now. A world with the threat of terrorist bombings, with pain and suffering, with divorces, with diseases, with ugly political campaigns, with rebellious children, with our hectic schedules and busy lives. Can you imagine a world of perfect peace? It surely does sound like heaven, doesn't it? And you know, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, that no mere man has ever seen, heard, or even imagined what wonderful things God has ready for those who love the Lord. I love the Lord. Do you? What is your hope for today, for where you will spend eternity? Where are you going? What road are you on? I want to share with you something Billy Graham said at a luncheon in his honor back in January of 2000 to leaders in Charlotte. He would have been about 81 years old then. Billy initially hesitated to accept the invitation because he struggles with Parkinson's disease. But the Charlotte leaders said, we don't expect a major address. Just come and let us honor you. So he agreed. After wonderful things were said about him, Dr. Graham stepped to the rostrum, looked at the crowd, and said, I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, the great physicist, who this month has been honored by Time magazine as the man of the century. Einstein was once traveling from Princeton, New Jersey on a train when the conductor came down the aisle, punching the tickets of every passenger. When he came to Einstein, Einstein reached in his vest pocket. He couldn't find his ticket, so he reached in his trouser pockets. It wasn't there, so he looked in his briefcase, but couldn't find it. Then he looked in the seat beside him. He still couldn't find it. The conductor said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. Einstein nodded appreciatively. The conductor continued down the aisle punching tickets. As he was ready to move to the next car, he turned around and saw the great physicist down on his hands and knees looking under his seat for his ticket. The conductor rushed back and said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I know who you are. No problem. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. Einstein looked at him and said, Young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. Having said that, Billy Graham continued, You see this suit I'm wearing? It's a brand new suit. My wife, my children, and my grandchildren are telling me I've gotten a little slovenly in my old age. I used to be a bit more fastidious, so I went out and bought a new suit for this luncheon and one more occasion. You know what that occasion is? This is the suit in which I'll be buried. But when you hear I'm dead, I don't want you to immediately remember the suit I'm wearing. I want you to remember this. I not only know who I am, I also know where I'm going. He knows his name is in the Lamb's book of life. Now, as many of you know, the Lamb is Jesus Christ. And those who have believed in him have their names listed in his book. Is your name on the list in that book? I would like to read a true account of someone who failed to make a list and the reason for her missing out on what would have been a memorable occasion, but instead it turned into a regrettable one. She learned her lesson the hard way, but now hear this true story from the life of professional singer Ruthanna Metzgar. Her story illustrates the importance of having your name in the book. This story is recounted in Randy Alcorn's book, We Shall See God. Several years ago, Ruth Anna Metzgar, was asked to sing at the wedding of a very wealthy man. According to the invitation, the reception would be held on the top two floors of Seattle's Columbia Tower, the Northwest's tallest skyscraper. She and her husband Roy were excited about attending. At the reception, waiters in tuxedos offered luscious hors d'oeuvres and exotic beverages. The bride and groom approached a beautiful staircase made of glass and brass that led to the top floor. Someone ceremoniously cut a satin ribbon draped across the bottom of the stairs. They announced that the wedding feast was about to begin. The bride and groom ascended the stairs, followed by their guests. At the top of the stairs, a maitre d' with a bound book greeted the guest outside the doors. May I have your name, please? I am Ruthanna Metzgar, and this is my husband, Roy. He searched the list. I'm not finding it. Would you spell it, please? Ruthanna spelled her name slowly. After searching the book, the maitre d' looked up and said, I'm sorry, but your name isn't here. There must be some mistake, Ruth Anna replied. I'm the singer I sang for this wedding. The gentleman answered, It doesn't matter who you are or what you did. Without your name in the book, you cannot attend the banquet. He motioned to a waiter and said, Show these people to the service elevator, please. The Metzgars followed the waiter past beautifully decorated tables laden with shrimp, whole smoked salmon, and magnificent ice sculptures. Adjacent to the banquet area, an orchestra was preparing to perform, the musicians all dressed in dazzling white tuxedos. The waiter led Ruthanna and Roy to the service elevator, ushered them in, and pushed G for the parking garage. After locating their car and driving several miles in silence, Roy reached over and put his hand on Ruthanna's arm. Sweetheart, what happened? When the invitation arrived, I was busy, Ruthanna replied. I never bothered to RSVP. Besides, I was the singer. Surely I could go to the reception without returning the RSVP. Ruth Anna started to weep, not only because she had missed the most lavish banquet she'd ever been invited to, but also because she suddenly had a small taste of what it will be like someday for people as they stand before Christ and find that their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Throughout the ages, countless people have been too busy to respond to Christ's invitation to his wedding banquet. Many assume that the good they've done, perhaps attending church, being baptized, singing in the choir, or helping in a soup kitchen, will be enough to gain entry to heaven. But people who do not respond to Christ's invitation to forgive their sins are people whose names aren't written in the Lamb's Book of Life. To be denied entrance to heaven's wedding banquet will mean being cast outside into hell forever. In that day, no explanation or excuse will count. All that will matter is whether our names are written in the book. If they're not, we'll be turned away. Have you said yes to Christ's invitation to join him at the wedding feast and spend eternity with him in his house? If so, you have reason to rejoice. Heaven's gates will be open to you. If you have been putting off your response, or if you presume that you can enter heaven without responding to Christ's invitation, one day you will deeply regret it. So please, if you are not sure if your name is listed in the Lamb's book of life, make today the, the day you are sure. Remember Jesus' words written in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I am one of those whosoever people who believes in Him, and I hope you are too. But if not, I am praying that you will call on His name and believe, because I want all of us to meet in heaven where we will have that perfect peace and where our joy will know no end. In Romans 10.13, Paul writes, Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and when that happens, your name will be in the book. Alcorn quotes Charles Spurgeon, who was addressing those who had not yet grasped the truth of the gospel. Some of you are trying to save yourselves and make yourselves right before God. It cannot be done. You must be made new by a power you have not within yourself, a divine power. You must be born again, and this is the work of God, not your work. You must die to yourself and let the Spirit of Christ take over. Jesus did not come to make bad men good. He came to bring life to dead men. Max Lucada says, Regardless of what you've done, it's not too late. Regardless of how far you've fallen, it's not too late. It doesn't matter how bad the mistake is. It's not too late to dig down, pull out that mistake, and then let it go and be free. What makes a Christian a Christian is not perfection, but forgiveness. Jesus wants to forgive you. I hope you will ask him. I agree with Charles Spurgeon when he says, There is nothing to be feared by those who are one with Jesus. When we stand on the brink of eternity, all that remains will be joy and rejoicing. For God has made His people a joy, and He has made them for rejoicing. How, you might wonder, does this joy and rejoicing fit in with the hardships, pain, and suffering that you may now be experiencing? Now that is where hope comes in. Randy Alcorn says, knowing that it will be relieved doesn't make suffering easy, but it does make suffering bearable. Hope allows us to have joy in the midst of suffering. In Colossians 1:24, Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings, and in James chapter 1 verse 2, James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. The apostles didn't enjoy their suffering, but they rejoiced in the midst of it because they trusted God's sovereign plan. Anticipating heaven doesn't eliminate pain, but it does lessen it and put it in perspective. Meditating on heaven is a great pain reliever. Suffering and death are temporary conditions. They are but a gateway to eternal life and unending joy. The biblical doctrine of heaven is about the future, but it has tremendous benefits here and now. If we grasp this truth, it will shift our center of gravity and radically change our perspective on life. This is what the Bible calls hope, a word used 6 times in Romans 8:20 20 through 25. In this passage, Paul says that all creation longs for our resurrection and the world's coming redemption. Don't place your hope in favorable circumstances which cannot and will not last. Place your hope in Jesus Christ and his promises. He will return. We will be resurrected to life on the new earth. We will behold God's face and joyfully serve Him forever and ever. We will, in fact, live happily ever after. That is not a fairy tale. It is the blood bought promise of Almighty God. And that was the end of Alcorn's quote. I read in the paper this morning that there is a new film biography of Hank Williams, who passed away January 1, 1953, at the age of 29. The name of this new movie is I Saw the Light. I hope he wrote this near the end of his life, and I hope he did see the light. Maybe I'll find out when I see the movie. But here are the words I'd like to share with you. I Saw the Light by Hank Williams. I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Just like a blind man, I wandered along, worries and fears I claimed for my own. Then like the blind man that God gave back his sight, praise the Lord, I saw the light. I was a fool to wander and stray, straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Now I have traded the wrong for the right, praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night. Now I am so happy, no sorrow in sight, praise the Lord. I saw the light. I hope you have seen the light, the light of Jesus Christ. If you have not, I pray that you will get a Bible, start reading it, and pray that God will reveal Himself and His truths to you. If you cannot afford a Bible or if you are not able to read, you can still pray, and I pray that you will. Pray for God to reveal the truth of His Son, Jesus, to you so that you will have the wisdom to believe in Him. And so one day we will meet in heaven, if not before. Do you believe in Easter? I have one last true story I want to share with you today. This is the story of Edith Burns. Edith Burns was a wonderful Christian who lived in San Antonio, Texas. She was the patient of a doctor by the name of Will Phillips. Dr. Phillips was a gentle doctor who saw patients as people. His favorite patient was Edith Burns. One morning he went to his office with a heavy heart and it was because of Edith Burns. When he walked into that waiting room, there sat Edith with her big black Bible in her lap, earnestly talking to a young mother sitting beside her. Edith Burns had a habit of introducing herself in this way. Hello, my name is Edith Burns. Do you believe in Easter? Then she would explain the meaning of Easter, and many times people would be saved. Dr. Phillips walked into that office, and there he saw the head nurse, Beverly. Beverly had first met Edith when she was taking her blood pressure. Edith began by saying, My name is Edith Burns. Do you believe in Easter? Beverly said, Well, yes, I do. Edith said, Well, what do you believe about Easter? Beverly said, Well, it's all about egg hunts, going to church, and dressing up. Edith kept pressing her about the real meaning of Easter and finally led her to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. After being called back in the doctor's office, Edith sat down, and when she took a look at the doctor, she said, Dr. Will, why are you so sad? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Dr. Phillips said gently, Edith, your lab report came back, and it says you have cancer, and Edith, you're not going to live very long. Edith said, why, Will Phillips, shame on you. Why are you so sad? Do you think God makes mistakes? You have just told me that I am going to see my precious Lord Jesus, my husband, and my friends. You have just told me that I am going to celebrate Easter forever, and here you are having difficulty giving me my ticket. Dr. Phillips thought to himself, what a magnificent woman this Edith Burns is. Edith continued coming to Dr. Phillips. Christmas came and the office was closed through January 3rd. On the day the office opened, Edith did not show up. Later that afternoon, Edith called Dr. Phillips and said she would have to be moving her story to the hospital and said, Well, I'm very near home, so would you make sure that they put women in here next to me in my room who need to know about Easter? Well, they did just that, and women began to come in and share that room with Edith. Many women were saved. Everybody on that floor, from staff to patients, were so excited about Edith that they started calling her Edith Easter. That is, everyone except Phyllis Cross, the head nurse. Phyllis made it plain that she wanted nothing to do with Edith because she felt like Edith was a religious nut. Phyllis had been a nurse in an army hospital. She had seen it all and heard it all. She was the original G.I. Jane. She had been married three times. She was hard, cold, and did everything by the book. One morning, the two nurses who were to attend to Edith were sick. Edith had the flu, and Phyllis Cross had to go in and give her a shot. When she walked in, Edith had a big smile on her face and said, Phyllis, God loves you, and I love you, and I have been praying for you. Phyllis Cross said, Well, you can quit praying for me. It won't work. I am not interested. Edith said, Well, I will pray, and I have asked God not to let me go home until you have come into the family. Phyllis Cross said, Then you will never die, because that will never happen, and curtly walked out of the room. Every day, Phyllis Cross would walk into the room and Edith would say, God loves you, Phyllis, and I love you, and I'm praying for you. One day, Phyllis Cross said she was literally drawn to Edith's room like a magnet would draw iron. She sat down on the bed and Edith said, I'm so glad you have come because God told me that today is your special day. Phyllis Cross said, Edith, you have asked everybody here the question, do you believe in Easter? But you have never asked me. Edith said, Phyllis, I wanted to many times, but God told me to wait until you ask. And now that you have asked, Edith Burns took her Bible and shared with Phyllis Cross the Easter story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Edith said, Phyllis, do you believe in Easter? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is alive and that he wants to live in your heart? Phyllis Cross said, oh, I want to believe that with all of my heart, and I do want Jesus in my life. Right there, Phyllis Cross prayed and invited Jesus Christ into her heart. For the first time, Phyllis Cross did not walk out of a hospital room. She was carried out on the wings of angels. Two days later, Phyllis Cross came in and Edith said, Do you know what day it is? Phyllis Cross said, Why, Edith, it's Good Friday. Edith said, Oh, no, for you, every day is Easter. Happy Easter, Phyllis. Two days later, on Easter Sunday, Phyllis Cross came into work did some of her duties, and then went down to the flower shop and got some Easter lilies because she wanted to go up to see Edith and give her some Easter lilies and wish her a happy Easter. When she walked into Edith's room, Edith was in bed. That big black Bible was on her lap. Her hands were in that Bible. There was a sweet smile on her face. When Phyllis Cross went to pick up Edith's hands, she realized that Edith was dead. Her left hand was on John 14. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Her right hand was on Revelation 21, 4, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Phyllis Cross took one look at that dead body and then lifted her face toward heaven, and with tears streaming down her cheek, said, Happy Easter, Edith. Happy Easter. Phyllis Cross left Edith's body, walked out of the room and over to a table where two student nurses were sitting. She said, My name is Phyllis Cross. Do you believe in Easter? So I ask you today, do you believe in Easter? I hope so, because for those of us who are Christians, Easter is every day, and we have reason to rejoice and be glad, because this world is not all there is, and our hope's not in this world, but in the world to come. In closing, I would like to read the words of one of my very favorite Easter hymns, written by Alfred Ackley. He lives. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. In all the world around me, I see His loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that He is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of His appearing will come at last. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives? He lives within my heart. The hope of all who seek Him. You ask me how I know He lives? He lives within my heart. I want to ask you, where is your hope for today? Hope thou in God. Thank you for listening.
0: he walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way he lives he lives lives, salvation to impart you ask me how i know he lives he lives within my heart in all the world I see his love and care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last. He He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, 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 salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along last narrow way. He lives he lives, he lives, he lives salvation to impart You ask me how I know